What Was That Like? contains adult language and content and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to What Was That Like? I'm your host, Scott Johnson. This is the show where we talk to regular people, people just like you or just like me, who have found themselves in an extremely unusual situation. We'll hear their stories and get inside their head because we all want to know, what was that like? More information about each episode at whatwasthatlike.com. Here we go. Four years ago, Yannicka felt like a failure in every area of her life. She could not envision her circumstances getting any better, so she made the decision to end her life. She wrote goodbye letters to all of her siblings and her four children. Then she went out after dark one night, found a railroad track to lie down on, and waited for the next train. Today, she's a much happier person and loves her life. In our conversation, Yannicka told me about that night on the train track, why her life did not end then, and what she did to overcome her problem and become someone who enjoys each day. You can see pictures of her, as well as lots of other thought-provoking content, on my Instagram, which is, what was that like? And now, here's Yannicka. Yannicka, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. You're Swedish by birth, right? Yes. I understand in Sweden, the the language in Sweden is Swedish or Finnish in some places. Is that right? No, it's the opposite. In Finland, there is Finnish and Swedish. Ah, okay. So you're, Sweden is all Swedish. Yes. Okay. How did you come to speak such good English? I had a very good teacher, I think, from from when I started to learn English. And is it standard to teach English in schools over there? Yes, we learn from the age of eight or nine. You, you have quite an amazing story to tell, and, um, and I want to get into the, the, the details of that, but part of that story is what led up to it. So I want to just find out what was your kind of your background before it led to that fateful day about four years ago. You got married and moved to Stockholm? Yeah. Yeah. Stockholm's a pretty big city, right? Well, it depends what you compare it to, but one and a half million inhabitants, I think. Did you enjoy living there? <laughs> Not particularly. I, I had... No friends of my own. Uh, I, I stole the friends of my husband. But when we got divorced, I had n no friends at all. I'm quite lazy socially. So, Are you kind of an introvert? Yeah. How long after you got married were you divorced? Well, two and a half years. But we married in the end of our relationship, as opposed to what you usually do, yeah. But did you stay in Stockholm then? Yeah. We had four kids together that moved between us, so we ha had to live quite close. 
And how old were the kids at that point, roughly? The youngest one was two and a half, and then four and a half, uh, seven and eight. Being sort of introverted and not outgoing or extremely outgoing socially, how did you manage that living in a big city? I had a work. Uh, I had a job that um, I could do from home. I did the subtitling for for TV shows and so so on, and I could do that from from my flat. So I did that. Didn't go out very much. I got a few friends, but but um, I didn't socialize very much until I had to quit that job. <laughs> search for another one. How would you describe your mental outlook or what was it that led to the decision to eventually try to take your own life? Because I felt like I had failed at everything. I couldn't, I mean, I had big dreams when I was younger uh, and I didn't even come close to them. And then I didn't succeed in my marriage. I divorced my husband and I couldn't keep a job. So, um, yeah, pretty much that. I, I saw myself as, as a failure. But what about your children? Did you consider that to be a success of your life? Well, yes, the four, four good things I did in my life. Were you clinically depressed? Yeah. I was, uh, later on, I was di diagnosed as a bipolar. I went on a, an emotional uh, roller coaster since I was a teenager, and I knew I had depressions, but I always thought when I was manic, I was myself. That's the kind of mindset that I enjoyed. So that must be who I am, right? And then I had depressions, but I always got out of them and, you know, got back to, to, to the real me again. I knew the depression would um, fade sooner or later. So you, you went like that in that type of... Uh roller coaster, so to speak, for quite a few years. Yes. Was there a kind of a trigger or anything that caused you to decide, nope, this is it, I'm, I'm done? Not really. I, I, I didn't think I was depressed at that time. I, I just had had enough uh, of being who I was, you know, not, not, not getting anywhere in life, not, not, doing anything. Uh, hmm, yeah. You got to that point. What, do you remember what day it was? It was in the beginning of August uh, 2014, 5th or 6th or something like that. How long in advance did you plan what you were going to do? A couple of three months in advance, I think. What did that planning look like? I mean, what was what was your what what were the thoughts going through your head in thinking about this? Uh, I had to clean out my flat. 
I had to you know, tidy up, uh, make sure the kids would have money to um, pay my my due rents, which were three, or would be three, because I didn't have any any money. I I didn't work. I didn't have uh, uh, unemployment uh, benefits. I didn't have anything to to pay my rent for. And I thought, well, if you talk about trigger, um, the the main thing that made me make up my mind was that if I didn't pay, pay my rent, I would get evicted. And I thought it would be better for my kids to have a mother that committed suicide than have a mother who was homeless. That's one of the things that I was thinking about is in, in talking about this is when you're planning to end your life, I would think that you would consider how your friends and family would react to that, and especially your children. But in your case, you were thinking that it would be better for them if you did that rather than for you to be homeless. Yeah, well, it, it's not... It's not um, if you have made up your mind, you sort of find reasons not to go ahead and do it, I think. And I, I, I thought a lot about what my kids would think. I, I, you know, I wrote them letters, you know, farewell notes. And I thought, well, they are going to be angry disappointed, uh, very sad, but they will get over it. How many people did you send notes to? All of my three uh, siblings and my four kids and the, um, uh, my landlord. Can you give us an idea of what one of those notes said? I wanted to give my kids, you know, good advice or something. I I asked them to forgive me, of course, and I uh, wrote that I hope they would, you know, together um, make ways to get over it. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read, and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up, and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. 
If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what, code 25what. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And did you send the notes by mail? No, I left them my, to my siblings. I sent them by mail, but uh, to my kids, I left them in, in 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 the flat, knowing that they would find them, of course. Yeah. So when you're thinking about this, what? How did you come up? You decided to go and just lay down on the railroad track. Yeah. How did you come to that choice? Or did you consider other methods? I consider consider other methods, but I wanted something that was quick and definite and uh, not... I considered to jump off my balcony. I lived six stories up. Uh, but that was too, I mean, I thought about the people <laughs> that might find me on the street below. And, and and I thought, if I do it in the dark, in the night, uh, the driver of the train won't, won't see me. So he, he won't know that he's run over me. In advance, did you check the, do you, did you know the train schedule? No, well, it's a busy, busy, busy track. So there are trains going all day, all night. So I knew there would be an opportunity for me to. Uh, I went late at night, about 10. And then I uh, noticed that all, all the way round beside the tracks, were fences, <laughs> and I couldn't climb them, so I had to dig myself underneath it uh, to get into the tracks. And then I went, I went to the spot that I had uh, decided upon, and I sat there for hours, <laughs> feeling cowardly, because from 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 the ground level. The trains are so huge, really. And I got frightened and I told myself, oh, I can't go back now. Uh, I have to finish this. This is stupid. Go up there and lay down. And at last I did that. 
but it was too late. Someone had spotted me and uh, uh, alarmed the authorities. I don't know who saw me, but but there were, you know, safeguards, uh, no, security guards coming down all of a sudden. And there were no trains for some time then. And they came down and asked me how, how, how I was doing. And I was so pissed at them. I swore at them. I was so angry because they had uh, interrupted something that I wanted to be done. So you were upset at them, even though they had actually just saved your life. But I didn't want to be saved. I didn't tell anyone. I, I kept it a secret because I didn't want anyone to um, stop me. I guess that's why that fence was there. Yes. Yes, I guess so. So what happened? You, you were taken to the hospital and what happened there? I don't remember really. Uh, I was in a daze for days. I slept, I think, for three days in a row just slept why do you think that was just mental exhaustion from yeah that probably yeah so at this point you're in the hospital how long were you in the hospital six weeks so the next day or maybe a couple of days your siblings got those letters in the mail yeah i texted them on the way to the hospital and said that I was on, on my way to the, to the hospital because I had tried to take my own life during the night. So they knew and they phoned my siblings and uh, they, my siblings, of course, hadn't got their letters yet then. So you were texting your children on the way to the hospital? Yeah. And, and I assume they came to the hospital, right? They live close by? Yeah, pretty close by. But I didn't want to see them. I couldn't, I couldn't face them, really. The thing is, I, um, I had, you know, the picture in my mind was that, well, I will be dead and they will mourn me and then they will uh, get over that. Now I had put them in a situation where they will always worry. Will she do it again? Uh, have you spoken to mom yet recently? Um, how is she doing? Uh, you know. And um, that's the worst thing, I think, about not having succeeded in my plans. I think I knew they were thinking that. They have told me also. So when you got out of the hospital and went back home, yeah, what was your mindset at that point? I was still angry. I thought it was all this conundrum of hospital and uh, social. Um, social workers and, and psychiatrists and uh, everything and my flat being packed down 
it felt so unnecessary. If they had left me as I were on, on the tracks, all of this wouldn't have uh, made so much fuss. So you got out of the hospital, came back home, and it's like, okay, well, here I am again. Yeah, exactly. But my, I got two brothers, and the older one, uh, who lives here, by the way, where I am now, um, he said, "Well, come up to me and my uh, uh, woman and my dog, and just wait." Until you make any any more decisions about your future, don't don't make up plans. Just be here for three days or for three years. It doesn't matter. And so I did, and that that's the best help I got because that landed me here where I'm now. How far away is that from where you were living? <laughs> Do you know the metric length you can measures? Say, you can say metrics. I'm an American, so okay. of course I don't. I don't know metrics. Six six hundred uh, kilometers, about. Six hundred kilometers. I'd have to do the conversion on that, but that's quite that's quite a distance, though. And you, and that was north of Stockholm, yeah. where you were. Yeah. What's the difference? I mean, how is life different there than it was in the city? I I. I realize it for the most part when I go back to Stockholm to see my kids because I feel this annoyance built up inside me. Everyone is busy and in a hurry to something and no one meets your eyes. No one speaks to you. You're just in a in a very fast-flowing uh, flood of something. And here, when someone walks too slow, well, you can start talking to them. Or if there's a line in, 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 in the, in the shop, well, I'm not in a hurry. I can, doesn't matter if it takes four or five minutes more. And people say hello to each other here and they, talk to each other and everything is reasonable slow and you know relaxed and yeah it sounds like that the word relaxed sounds like it pretty much describes you know where you are now yeah. so so your brother invited you up there to live with him what was that when you got there the first day what was that like what did you think Oh my God, we've never lived together. How is this going to, to end? How is this going to work? And all I wanted was to, to lie down and sleep. So if it hadn't been for his dog, I would have slept all day and all night, but I had to take care of the dog. And that made me have to walk a lot. So we walked, that dog and me, and we bonded. And uh, that was the good therapy I got. Dogs are wonderful. Yeah. What's the dog's name? Shashtin. 
<laughs> okay. That sounds like a nice Swedish name. Yeah. Does it have a meaning? Uh, no, it's just a, a girl's name. And, well, it's a border collie. He, he, he has sheep, so she's a working dog. So this is a sh- where you're living is a sheep farm? Yeah. Well, a, a small one, a tiny one. So you went from living in a city of a million or a million and a half people to a small, kind of like a village, it sounds like. Yes, yes. And how many people, what's the population there? About 500 in in the village, the real village. Then there are a few smaller ones outside, but between 500 and 700 people at all. What's What's life like today? What's a typical day like? I work now. I'm a Spanish teacher, and uh, I work three three days a week. The other days, I listen to podcasts or audio books, or I just mainly I I, I stay uh, horizontal uh, when I'm free. I, I don't do much, but um, I enjoy my work. And uh, my pupils enjoy me too. And it, it's, oh, it's really a flip from worst to best. So you're a, a, a Swedish lady who speaks English but teaches Spanish. Yes. I wouldn't have thought students in Sweden would have a need or a desire to learn Spanish. Well, you have to uh, learn one other language besides English. And you have to choose between Spanish, French, or German. And Spanish is probably the easiest. Yeah. Uh, Spanish is the most popular. So so it's a lack of, of uh, Spanish teachers. And I, I, I'm not a trained teacher. So thanks to the shortage of, of, of Spanish teachers, I have a job. And are you still with your brother? No, no, no. I had I have my own flat now. That's interesting, though that the that the students there in Sweden are required to be trilingual. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I think uh, that that children from the age of preschool should learn at least one language other than their own, and in school. From day one, you should learn at least one other language. I mean, the earlier you start, the better you are able to sponge it up in a way. Yeah. And the fact that you already knew some Spanish is what enabled you to have this job, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you could speak to the four-year-ago person that you were then, could you have imagined your life today? If I had the opportunity to speak to the then me, I I would say change change now, do something else, move away, make make a step out of what you're in now. But none of your therapists told you to do that as a solution. Well, I didn't I didn't go to my therapists before before my, my uh, suicide attempt because I 
I didn't think they would solve my problems. And the solution to, to that problem was the only one I, I, I could imagine ending me. Is there anything that someone back then could have said to you that would have made a difference? I don't think so. Not because I was in a bubble. I couldn't, I couldn't see beyond me, really. I couldn't come up with the logical solutions. And I, I'm not sure that anybody could have said anything to change that. It seems like when you're in that kind of mindset, you kind of have blinders on. Yeah. And even though the solution might be over there, you can't see it because you, you aren't even looking for it. Right. Or looking in the right direction. Yeah. For someone that is listening to this now that may be considering taking their own life, what would you say to them? It's a tricky question because some, I mean, I don't know. I could come up with a few cliches about, uh, but no, what I would say is, you know what you are and what you feel right now. Uh, but if you don't hang on, you won't be able to see what you could be what you could feel, what you could think later on. And my brother, uh, we have talked about this so much. Um, death is a back door, but you can only use it once. And yeah, it's true. <laughs> you, can't, you can't take it back once you've uh, uh, gone through with it. And what you said about, I mean, so many times when you, you want to help someone that's like that, if you happen to come into contact with somebody like that, but you're right, it feels like whatever you say is like a cliche, you know, things will get better and you know, you've got so much to live for. And that, that just kind of, it seems like that just means nothing to some people, mm. you know, when they're in that, that mindset. But see, now you, you, you have the advantage of looking back on it for the, for four years, yeah. knowing that that was the wrong decision and it's good that you weren't able to go through with it. Is there anything else about any aspect or anything that we haven't covered that you want to talk about? Yes. Um, for quite a few years afterwards, I felt I was mourning for the loss of my suicide. I was feeling very sorry for not having been able to to make it through. But now I can see that I'm better for me and for everyone else in my in my family and friends and all that. It's obviously better that I didn't succeed. But for years afterwards I, I, I I was in grief 
for not having pulled it through. And this is even after you moved yeah. to where you are? Yeah. Not every day, but sometimes. How long did it take before you got to the way you are now? I felt at ease with myself uh, this past summer. So this is, I'm not, I'm not sorry anymore. I'm thankful I, I, I didn't succeed. I think your family probably is too. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I'm they sure are. they are. Yeah. So you see your kids regularly? Yes, not very often, but a couple of times a year. I, I looked up 600 kilometers is about 370 miles. Okay. So, yes, that's that's a long distance. Yeah. And they still live in Stockholm. Yeah. Well, it's good. You get to see your kids sometimes. You're happy with your life there. What's the name of the village where you live now? Näsåker. Näsåker. Nose field. No, not that nose. It, it, it means something else. But yeah, näsåker. Well, I am happy that you're happy. Okay, good. It turned out, as I've said before on several other episodes on this podcast, I, I love a happy ending. And <laughs> Yeah, I can tell just from talking with you and even from our emails prior to this mm. that you just seem like a happy person now. Yeah, I am. Well, thank you very much for sharing your story with us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. My goal for each show is to introduce you to people and stories that you just won't find on other podcasts. If you want to help support the show, you just need to subscribe, and that way you'll never miss an episode. You can click on any of the subscribe buttons on the website, which is whatwasthatlike.com. You'll see all the links right there at the top where you can subscribe directly to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or on whatever app you use to catch your podcasts. And you'll see there are also links to Twitter and Instagram, so you can follow us there, and I hope you do. And if you really want to connect with me and get in on the discussion with other listeners to this show, you can join our private Facebook group. You can find that at whatwasthatlike.com forward slash Facebook. And of course, you can always email me directly at scott at whatwasthatlike.com or just go to the website and click on contact. I'd love to hear what you think of this episode or a previous episode. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the next show where we'll once again ask the question, what was that like?